This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that charts the storms of history one day at a time. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're remembering a devastating storm that ravaged parts of the American Midwest and Tennessee River Valley and left a lasting impact on how the nation tracks and reports tornadoes. The day was March 18, 1925. The deadliest tornado in U.S. history claimed the lives of 695 people. In addition to its catastrophic death count, the tornado also holds the U.S. records for the most injuries in a single tornado, more than 2,000, and for the longest tornado track, with its range covering a staggering 219 miles. At times, the tornado itself was a mile wide, and its winds reached upwards of 300 miles per hour. Although the storm occurred before the development of the Fujita Tornado Damage Scale, its intensity would have placed it at the very top of that scale, among the worst storms in recorded history. To put things in perspective, a typical tornado travels at an average speed of 20 to 40 miles per hour and covers a range of anywhere from 1 to 100 miles, or sometimes a little more. However, the Tri-State Tornado traveled between 60 and 73 miles per hour, meaning that over the course of its three and a half hours on the ground, it was able to carve a continuous path of destruction for over 200 miles. Having a continuous path is notable in itself, as most of the damage sustained in tornado outbreaks is usually caused by a family of multiple tornadoes that spawn one after another. But according to the U.S. Weather Bureau, the forerunner of the National Weather Service, the tri-state tornado was a single, long-lasting storm with no breaks or gaps in its destructive path. As a result, the tornado destroyed 15,000 homes and caused roughly $17 million in property damage. The deadly twister was dubbed the Tri-State Tornado because it traveled across eastern Missouri, up through southern Illinois, and then over to southern Indiana, before finally dissipating at around 4.30 p.m. At the same time, other smaller tornadoes wreaked havoc in surrounding states, such as Tennessee and Kentucky. The Tri-State Tornado first formed in Ellington, Missouri, at about 1 p.m. on March 18th. From there, it quickly moved to the northeast, crossing the Mississippi River into southern Illinois, the region that would be hit hardest by the storm. In fact, within 40 minutes of reaching Illinois, the tornado had leveled at least five towns, destroying 90% or more of all man-made structures within. In Murfreesboro, 1,200 buildings were destroyed, and 234 residents were killed. In West Frankfurt, 127 people were killed. And as for the town of Gorham, almost every building within city limits was either severely damaged or completely destroyed. The storm reached Gorham at just before 2.30 p.m., and one resident, Judith Cox, described its grim arrival in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch two days later. She said, quote, There was a great roar, like a train, but many, many times louder. 
My God, I cried. It's a cyclone, and it's here. The air was full of everything. Boards, branches of trees, garments, pans, stoves, all churning around together. I saw whole sides of houses rolling along near the ground. Cox had been eating lunch at a restaurant when the storm showed up, spitting hail the size of golf balls as it made its way through town. She tried to run, but the powerful wind sent her flying back into the restaurant, and the building quickly collapsed around her. She was later rescued from the rubble, along with a traumatized cow that had been dropped on the building's roof. However, the restaurant's cook, along with 36 others, weren't as lucky. Part of the reason for the storm's exceptionally high death toll was that no one knew it was coming. At the time, telephones were a luxury that most rural households couldn't afford, and there were no emergency sirens or broadcasts to speak of. Even seeing the storm approaching in the distance wasn't as clear a warning as you might think. Because the tornado was a mile wide at times, it often appeared wider than it was tall and didn't look like most tornadoes. In fact, many witnesses described it as, quote, rolling fog, or boiling clouds that moved along the ground. This unusual appearance led many people to discount the looming danger until it was right on top of them. The most tragic and frustrating part of this story is that there's a lot that could have been done to lessen the storm's impact. Most notably, the U.S. Weather Bureau could have been more forthcoming about the severity of the storm. It's hard to imagine, but in that era, the organization didn't issue severe weather watches or warnings, and even the official forecast for that day downplayed the danger, only calling for, quote, rains and strong shifting winds. If you're wondering why there was no mention of a massive tornado, It's because of a misguided and some would say stupid policy that forbid the use of the word tornado in weather forecasts. That term had been banned since 1887, back when the U.S. Army Signal Corps was still in charge of the nation's weather forecasting. At that time, tornadoes were viewed as too difficult to predict with any degree of certainty, so to avoid creating a public panic, forecasters weren't permitted to study tornadoes or even to mention the likelihood of one occurring. On March 18, 1925, that culture of silence put tens of thousands of citizens in harm's way, and because of the resulting damage and loss of life, the country's backwards approach to tornadoes finally began to change. That same year, an informal network of amateur tornado spotters was organized. They took matters into their own hands and began warning residents of potential tornadoes so they would have adequate time to prepare or seek shelter. Over the years, those storm spotter programs led to a steady decline in tornado-based fatalities, and the government gradually began to take notice. It took 20 long years, but eventually, an official nationwide system was put in place to inform and warn the public about tornadoes. Many deaths in the tri-state tornado likely could have been avoided, but the 695 victims did not die in vain. Their tragic end served as a wake-up call for a nation and led to countless lives being saved in the years ahead. 
I'm Gabe Blusier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Also, in case you missed the announcement last week, I wanted to mention again that This Day in History class is now running on a five-day schedule, with new episodes every Monday through Friday. We've paused weekend shows for the time being, so that Chandler and I can have a little more breathing room, and even take a vacation now and then. The good news is that with a more forgiving schedule, we'll be able to keep bringing you new episodes for a long time to come. So stay tuned, history fans. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again soon for another day in history class. Thank you.